Hey, good morning again, everyone. Morning. Hey, thanks for coming out today. It's a great day to be here. I'm so glad our pastor is back, Pastor Ben, back from vacation for the last Thank you. week I'm, or so. We're, yeah, we, we're really glad to be back. Jill and I love going to other churches when we're on vacation. Um, we, we actually like to do that, but we're always glad to come home. So thank you guys for uh, making us feel uh, so loved here and just being a great church. We yeah. love it here. It looks like you went shopping while you were gone uh, a little bit. Orville Redenbacher and I went out right. and uh, <laughs> bought some clothes I didn't together. get the memo. I would have at least tucked my shirt in or something like that. <laughs> making me look bad up here. <laughs> hey, like Amy said, uh, we're starting a brand new message series today. It's called Unstoppable, and it really is, like she said, our way to get ready for Easter Sunday, which is the biggest day of the year for our church and every church and all churches that have existed throughout the course of time since Jesus walked this earth. And Easter is a really, really big deal. Greg, it's a big deal because on Easter, although we do it every single Sunday, we really do celebrate the fact that the tomb is still empty, that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and that we can have a relationship with him that impacts eternity and all of life here as well. And it's, it's a game changer. It changes everything. Yeah, so we want to spend just two weeks, this week and next week, making sure that we're sharp, that we're focused on what it is really we're all about. And the secret behind the story today is there's nothing unique about us, really. There's some things that we do differently in terms of the way we might express them. But really what we're doing is what churches have been doing now for centuries, for a little bit, maybe over about 2,000 years. But we want to make sure that we're sharp and that we're focused. I like to tell a story that you hear a lot when I speak because I only have two good pastor stories. I'm not like most guys who, <laughs> you know, most pastors I know, you and some other ones, you'll be in McDonald's drive through God will send someone walking by in front of your car who, you know, drops a piece of paper that has a note on it from God, and then that becomes your Sunday message. <laughs> that never happens to me. I have two stories, but this one is relevant today. Um, I was born with not such great eyesight, and as I got to go older, it got worse and worse like it often does does with people who have poor eyesight. And so when I was a little older on my own and had enough money, I decided to go for LASIK surgery. I was tired of wearing glasses. My eyes were so bad that literally when I would lay in bed, I would look at the alarm clock, which was no more than, I don't know, 18 inches away from me. I couldn't even make out the letters. And I had bought like the giant size one as well. So I remember that. Pretty, pretty bad stuff. Well, I got the LASIK surgery. And what was great about it is the moment they put the corneal flaps back over top of my eyes and the surgery was done. Honestly, from that very instant, I could see clearly. I had better than 20-20 vision. What did the trees look like afterwards? Yeah, I could see them, first (laughs) off. They used to be really big green blurs. I I didn't know there were such things as individual leaves on trees. (laughs) I thought they just kind of happened when they fell on the ground. But yeah, so I immediately had focus. I had clear vision. Well, this message series is all about our church, whether you've been here for a little over eight years with us, or even if this is your very first Sunday, we want to make sure that we have clear vision about really what we're all about. And what we're all about is nothing new. From the beginning of the church, the church was established when Jesus walked the earth and then he left it and he established this thing called the church. It's called his bride, the body of Christ. We're doing exactly what has been done throughout the course of time All we're attempting to do with this little thing called Four Corners is help people who are far away from God get a little closer to Him. Help lost people be found. Help unsaved people get saved. And while that's a very simple and very clear mission, there are some things about that that we just want to unpack with you today. One of the the hiccups 
with that mission that was established by Jesus when he left this earth is that we can't save people. <laughs> I can't right. save them. You can't save them. You guys cannot save them, even though we, we tried. tried. <laughs> we would like to. I, I remember when, when we were thinking about doing this church and we got started and you get caught up in the, in the activity. Um, I would find myself, and this may sound odd to you. You might think less of me, but I would find myself thinking, how, are we, how am I going to get people saved? How, how are we going to do that? And I would like carry way too much of that burden because right. the truth is, is our efforts, our goodness, even being a, a good church or a pretty good church doesn't save anybody. It's all the work of God in somebody's lives. And yet God calls the church to be his primary expression in the world of his love, his truth, his grace. And it's through the local church usually yeah. and its extensions that people come to know Jesus. Yeah, we, we simply get to represent the part right. of who God is, represent and share the story of the gospel and of Jesus and of God's work in this world. In fact, even Jesus, when he was walking in the gospels in John chapter 6, he says, no one can come to the come to me unless the father who sent me draws them right so there's a certain spiritual activity that has to happen behind the scenes for people to get saved for right. lost people to be found for for people not to go over the waterfall like like right. the video parable was all about and yet here we are as a church a couple thousand years later trying to jump into that stream jump into that river that churches have been trying to do ever since jesus left this this world yeah. and so where we're doing that, but we want to make sure you're clear on how we do that and why we do it and, and the limitation on what we're able to do because while we can't save people, That's we can represent Jesus well. While we can't help them cross a line of faith, we can't do that for them, we can share an experience together where they might be considerate of taking that next bold step for them. The reality is we're just a group of people. I like to say we're an army of people who really just try to capture the imagination of unchurched people. Whether you call them lost people or unsaved people, people far from God, we're just trying to capture their imagination so that when they are experiencing our ministries, whether it's right here on a Sunday morning or it's over in kids' elementary room doing worship or hanging out in one of the tents or over here in preschool playing inside that really cool caterpillar. We want to capture their imagination. We want to capture their imagination so that when God shows up, when God draws them, they might consider taking their next bold step. And we do that in a variety of different ways, but we want to be unstoppable in accomplishing that mission. Right. The, yeah, the, the name unstoppable, Greg, doesn't mean that Four Corners isn't unstoppable. That's right. a little arrogant. It's that we are a part of an unstoppable stream that God has been flowing through this world. We are one expression of the body of Christ in this world. And the Bible made it clear that the church, the bride of Christ, would not stop. It wouldn't be stoppable in its mission to make the claims of Jesus known to yeah. this world. It literally says the gates of hell will not prevail against I love the imagery because gates are a defensive weapon. The idea is that the church is heading towards hell to take back what the enemy has taken from us and the gates of hell won't be able to prevent us from going in and grabbing people and saying God has more right. for you. So we're going to talk some, day to, some today about our, our mission as a church but at the core of it it really is just that when Jesus walked this earth and then he got crucified on Good Friday is what we call it now in hindsight. It's, it's ironic because it was a bad day for him in a lot of ways. Yeah, but it wasn't so good, but we call it Good Friday. <laughs> he gets crucified, and you know the story, most of you. Three days later, a couple of days, three evenings later, he raises from the dead. He was dead, and he comes back to life. That's what we celebrate on right. Easter in a couple of weeks. It's a really big deal. Well, he walked around for a little while after that on earth, after he was brought back from the dead. One of the proofs 
that it really happened in the Bible. Yeah, people who saw him die, put him in a tomb, saw him walking around later. Right. Well, he's getting ready to leave the earth and start this thing called the church that we're just a part of now, a couple thousand years later. And he gives a... Well, it's called the Great Commission is what church people call it. It's kind of a command. It, really, the whole idea is it's not just a suggestion that Jesus gives. It is what he wants his followers to do, what he wants them to be about while he's gone. It's kind of a beautiful picture because he gifts us the strategy right. for saving this world. That's exactly right, Greg. It, it's really cool because you can imagine it as, all right, the idea is that Jesus is going to be ready to go back to heaven, and he's going to give us the last few uh, ideas that he wants us to remember. So in one way, it's like his last will and testament. And that content sets the course for all churches. When we do the content, we're being the church. When we don't do the content of this commission, the truth is we're not really being the church. We might be doing a lot of good stuff, but we're not the church. Right. And, that, and those words that he used, go and make disciples, go help other people be followers, go help other people make me the leader of their lives or the forgiver of their Going sins. Go to all the world, make disciples, baptizing them. So it's both the growing people people, but helping them transition into a relationship with Jesus and doing that continually through ever-expanding concentric circles. And and the good news is, the end of the story is, that situation, those efforts, they are unstoppable. They are. God's church will prevail is what the Bible says, but we want to be part of that. And we know that it's easy to get off course. It's easy to drift. It's easy to sail away from, to borrow the analogy from the song, what is important. And we don't want to do that, especially with Easter coming up, especially given that we're kind of in some new digs here. We've only been in this building a few months. It could be easy if we allowed ourselves to get distracted. We don't want to do that. So we want to leave you today with three very simple things that we want you to consider or do really so that we can be unstoppable, just like the large C church, the big church has been going on for a couple thousand years is going to be. We don't want to miss that boat. And the first one is we want to make sure that we're the kind of church, and this goes back to our DNA, the the, the very place we started. We want to make sure that in this church, everyone is welcome. Everyone's welcome. Everybody is welcome. This is really, when you think about why God left us the gift of the Bible, he left us the gift of the Bible so that people can know his heart towards them, that God's heart would be on display. He left the church so that people would see God's heart on display. And in both the Bible and in the churches that have kept in line with the mission that God gave them, this invitational attitude, you're welcomed here, you belong here, you're not outside, you're welcomed inside, is a consistent theme. Yeah, I mean, you, you ever been in a situation in life where you knew you weren't welcome, like you walked into it? I remember the first time I met my who is now my father-in-law, the first time I met this guy, I was not welcome at all. It was a horrible situation. I'd been dating Amy for a, a few weeks, maybe, or so. I'd already met her mom, wonderful lady, and I was about to meet her dad. I had to actually go to his office to meet him, which was, it was intimidating. I remember how large his chair was, how tall he was. <laughs> and he had cut and, the legs off yours Yeah, for and he had me sitting on like a kid's yeah. stool or something like that. Anyhow... You ever been in a situation where you just knew you weren't welcome or you felt weird to be there? That's the last thing we want to happen at this church. It's really the last thing that should happen at any church. It is. The reality is the testimony of Jesus' life, if there is one at all, besides the fact that he's God's son, the reality is everyone loved him. They did. Everyone felt welcome around him. Even people who 
were the furthest away from God you could be. The testimony of the Gospels, they Matthew, loved Mark, him. Luke, and John, is that they loved him. And they, they loved couldn't being wait around to get him. around him. They, they would go out of their way. They'd walk for miles. They'd go without food to hang around this guy. People who had sins, the kinds of sins that people talk about behind people's backs. Um, people that, that were cast out, people that had diseases, were imperfect. They couldn't get enough about Jesus. Here's the truth. People that we would look at and say, you really don't fit. They love Jesus because I think they knew Jesus loved and welcomed them. Yeah, and the irony is the people who should have loved Jesus, the people who are really church, the real, really religious, oftentimes felt a little uncomfortable around him. They eventually were the ones who wanted to kill him, so they, they felt are. really uncomfortable around him. But this whole idea that people need to feel welcomed in church is critical because we are the establishment that God made when Jesus left the earth. Yeah. And we are his, his representatives. We are witnesses to his story and his life. And in order to do that successfully, in order to be unstoppable in that mission, people have to feel welcome when they walk in in these doors. Yeah. And we want to make sure we do that. And the great thing is we do a pretty good job at that because we were super intentional about that when we started. We wanted to create an environment as a church. If nothing else, we wanted to make sure we preached the gospel of Jesus with clarity. And we wanted to make sure that you could come here and be real, however you are, no matter what your baggage is, no matter what your secrets are, no matter what your sins are, we didn't want to create a situation that was, it was my experience growing up. I know it was a little bit of yours because we we're brothers and we grew up in the same house and in the same church. But I had experience growing up, maybe you can relate with this, where I had to have a, like a Sunday personality. There was like the Sunday Greg. And then there was the Monday through Saturday Greg. The one I lived with. Right, the one, <laughs> the one that, that used to fight with you all the time. I wasn't, it wasn't like the Monday no, through Saturday guy was horrible. Right. But I felt like when I walked into church, the one that we grew up in, you had to put on a certain air, air, a pretense. You had to wear a certain mask. And we wanted to make sure, and we want to make sure still today, that we create the kind of environment here that when God sends us people who are far away from him, people who might need to experience a little bit more of him, people who we're going to represent him to, that we let them come and be real. Let them be themselves. We call it come and experience real worship from our real love now thing that's on the yeah, side of our building. Yeah, you see it on the building, just inside the front door on the glass. It's not a slogan for us. It encapsulates this core value. You can come here and be real, and we will really accept you. Now, we may not know all about you, and we may not be like the closest friends having dinner every night, but you can take the first steps into a real, real relationships here by encountering a real God, you can really worship that God no matter where you're starting from. You can ben, begin to turn your hearts around. One of the coolest things that we observe around here, and maybe, maybe you'll see this, but we'll have like a, a first or a second time guest come, and they don't even know the words that we're singing. They don't know the songs at all, but because the band's good and it's engaging and the lyrics are there, you'll see them. They'll start maybe tapping their foot. And it's not unusual to see like a guy like reach over and grab his, his wife or his girlfriend and pull each other tight. And they're kind of swaying together in the worship because without even, if you've seen that, it's kind of like, you know, romantic worship there going on. And I always uh, get worried when the arm starts moving up and down. Yeah, and I, you, it's Easy. funny. But, but here, right. here's, here's what's happening there. People are starting to let down their guard and they're starting to engage a worshipful environment. Right. This encourages believers, but you know what it does to people who don't believe? They don't even have words for it, but it begins to draw them. Now, we can't fully control that. We can create an environment, but that is, in case you didn't know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit 
doing what we can't do, drawing people in. We make the sign that says welcome. We hold open the door, but God uses that to draw people to him. Yeah, one of the things the Bible is also clear about is how much God loves people. He loves everyone. He loves his sheep. Humans are the highest prize in all of creation. And the analogy the Bible uses for Jesus is that he is the, the shepherd. He's the good shepherd, actually. And the shepherd takes care of the flock. They protect the flock. They make sure nothing happens to the flock. Right. When people come in our church, we want to make sure we create an environment where they are welcomed and where that we don't do anything that's going to keep them away from Jesus, the guy who wants to protect them. We want to make sure that that environment is so safe and so welcoming that we represent Jesus well to the people who walk through these doors. Right. We're going to be prepared to welcome them. And Greg, you know this. There's a biblical principle that we've experienced and lived, and we can actually, because it's true, use it to our benefit. And that is, if we get ready for people and we prepare our hearts, minds, souls, resources, buildings, ministries, God will send us people. Right. Because he loves people too much. Think about this, church people. God loves people too much to send them to churches that aren't ready for them. That's just the truth. He, he's not going to waste his most precious resource sending them to a group of people that don't value them, love them, accept them, and want God's best for them. Yeah. And so getting ready for these people, creating this environment, is essential to God getting on board with letting us be a part of fulfilling the mission. Yeah, and it's so easy when you're a regular attender of a church, this one or any other one, to just come and do your thing, to come and get your needs met or come and get the experience you want to have or maybe just to come and hang out with your your friends and not probably intentionally not I don't think anyone processes oh there's someone new I don't want to be friendly to them I don't want to go out of my way to say hi to them but it's so easy just to get in that routine of not being welcoming and we want to make sure as we gear for Easter that we are ready for the sheep that God wants to send us so that we can take good care of them and so that we can welcome them to be part of what's going on here. Yeah, I want to show you just two real quick things that we do to try to make sure people feel welcomed, all right? And everybody here can participate in both of these, and they're very simple. So the first thing you do is you put your hand out like this. The second thing you do is smile. And then the third thing you do is say, I'm glad you're here. So like when Pastor Will, very often, every service, we give people an opportunity to say hello to the folks around them. That's where we're expecting you, if you're a part of this church, if you're beginning to get it at all, to help create a welcoming environment. You can do that in this room. You can do it out there. But it is the smile and it is you taking the initiative to approach others and say, I'm glad you're here. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, hey, well, I'm new, I, you know, and maybe... Maybe the folks that have been here for a while need to do that. But you, what you need to understand is that in some regards, a lot of us are very new. And in this building, we're all new. And so if you don't take it on yourself, what happens is people walk past you and they leave here thinking, well, that's not a very friendly group right. of people. So it's the handout, the smile, and I'm glad you're here. You can use your own words, but that's what we're trying to communicate. Now, here's the second one. Every week we do this connect card. And every week you hear one of the pastors tell you why we do it. But I want to share with you, kind of on a strategic level, why it's so important for each person to fill one out. We're going to pray for you. You're going to communicate back with us. You're going to take next steps. But something strange happens when we have a first or a second time guest here, and we say to people, pull out your connect card. We want everybody to do this every week. The first and second time guests, they look around the room to see if you're doing it. And what we've discovered is if the people around them aren't doing it, the first and second time guests don't do it. 
Now that's okay. If you're a first and second time guest with us today, you don't have to fill out a Connect card. But we know this. If you fill out the Connect card, you're going to get from us in the mail a gift, a free gift that says thank you for being with us. And then you're going to give an opportunity to take a survey to tell us how your experience was. And it gives us an opportunity in a very non-threatening way to begin a dialogue. That's why, men, you can't let your wife fill out your card for you. Because men have this thing of thinking that church is for women anyway. And if we say pull out your connect card and all the men are letting their wives fill it out, the strong men in our, who are visitors, they look at it and go, oh, I, I knew it. It's really for, for women. Church right. is really for women. Right. So we want men and women to fill it out. And when you do that, it's like putting positive peer pressure to say, hey, we do this. This is what we do. This is normal. And then as a church, as a group of leaders and volunteers, we can begin to follow up. Do you know how serious it is when a first-time guest take time? to give us a prayer request and say to us, something happened enough in this environment for me to trust you with something on my heart. Right. It's a big deal. We want to make sure we get these. There's two ways you can help us. Handshake, smile, you're welcomed here, and the Connect card. Yeah, I mean, so Jesus was welcoming. But one of the great things about Jesus also that was a testimony of his life is, I mean, he, he loved people. It's a, big, it's a big deal here for us to create an environment where people feel loved. We have the real worship thing, which we just talked about. But loving other people is critical as well. There's in the Bible, in the book of 1 John in the New Testament, it says if you, want, if you want to be a really good representative of God, if you want people to, to really know what God's like, and really, if you want to show the best way to love God, if you really want to be yourself a lover of God, love other people first. Then, then you'll prove that you're someone that loves God. Loving other people is a big deal here. Now, we do that. We create environments where people can begin to build community, where they can begin to build friendships, a lot of times through small groups. And so right. three times a year we do these small group sign-ups, and people can get involved in groups where you can have conversations and talk about things that maybe you don't get to talk about on a Sunday morning while you're just sitting in this room or getting your coffee or, or putting your kids into a checkout line. But one of, the, one of the ways that you can really love other people is to invite them to be part of something like this church or God's plan. Great. I, you know, I've said it a hundred times, um, but imagine if, if, if I have this really good friend or a brother or a co-worker that I really like, and I'm sitting on incredible news. I, I've got the greatest, hottest, you know, guaranteed stock tip, or I, I, I have, you know, a, a bunch of free coupons in my drawer for you know, an amazing meal, and I don't share that with them. I, I, it might be easier for me to dismiss that, but the truth is, is for the people I love, I want them to experience good stuff. When I have friends, neighbors, coworkers, relatives who don't know Jesus, and I can go weeks and months without ever really thinking about them, it says something. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but it says something about what I understand about the world. Somewhere along the way, something hasn't clicked because Jesus is the greatest thing this world has ever experienced. He's the only real answer to change the human heart. Politics won't do it. Education won't do it. Social serving won't do it programs are doing it. You can throw all the money in the world at, you, at it you want. You can't change a human heart. But Jesus can change a human heart. He can restore families. And if I'm sitting on that and don't ever share it, effectively, and I, I don't want this to like slap you too hard, but I do want it to hit you a little bit. Effectively, I'm not loving right. them. When I hold Jesus, I'm not loving. I'm not giving them the best thing this world's ever seen. Yeah, and one of the things that happens that you, you're hitting, dancing all around is when, when we keep in the forefront of our mind and in our, in our thought process our own personal experience that we've had with Jesus, how he's changed our life, when we consider what he's done in our, in, our, in our marriage or with our kids or in our careers or really just in our own sense of peace about life in this world, 
Something should be happening with that. We should want to tell the people that we love. It should be a, a common experience kind of message That's that we exactly want right. to send. I mean, there's a story about Jesus that really encapsulates a lot of what we've already been talking about, where this lady who has a lot of sin in her life experiences a conversation with Jesus that radically changes her life forever. He accepts her. She receives it. She's changed. And the very next words out of her mouth, look at this. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him, towards Jesus. She experienced change. She turns right around. And in the book of Revelation, Greg, there's another verse that kind of encapsulates this spirit of invitation. Here's what it says. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, they join together and they say, Come. And then let the one who hears this invitation say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Here's the truth. There are a lot of thirsty people in this world, and you and I are holding the water pitcher. And God looks at us and says, if you've come, if you've drinking, invite others to come. Right. That's, that's the language of the Scripture. Yeah, and, and if we want to be unstoppable, if we want to be in that unstoppable stream that's been happening for a couple thousand years, we've got to be a church that's welcoming. We've got to welcome people when they get here with a smile and with a handshake and with a hi, my name is. We also got to welcome them outside of these four walls by inviting them to come and see right. the Jesus that we've experienced. So everyone is welcome at this church. So I want to ask you something. Who are three people you could invite to Easter? I'm not asking you to like have the names yet, but what if you took seriously just 10 minutes and you prayerfully said, God, are there three people you've already begun working in their life? You love them more than I love them. You want them more than I want them. But are there three people you could use me to give the extend, extend the invitation to come? Who, who could they be? So when I thought about this, I thought about some categories. Here's the first one. Like I have local family that are within driving distance that don't go anywhere. I, I could leverage that relationship, walk down a path of already established love and communication, and invite them to church. My kids have friends, and I shared this a few weeks ago, I'll share with you again. You know what we found is the most successful invite for my kids' friends? Here, here's what it looks like. Hey, Johnny. We don't have a friend named Johnny, but that's the go-to. Hey, Johnny. Um, we're going to go to Dave and Buster's after church on Sunday and have lunch and play a few games. Would you like to go to church with us and then go to Dave and Buster's? Is that manipulation? Yes. <laughs> and Jesus is so proud of us for doing that. Right. right. It just works. Now, there are other ways to do it, but what I wanted them to do is I want to invite them into our lives. I want to get to know them, but I want them not to just have a good time with my family. That's the appetizer. I want them to have a meal. I want them to have Jesus. Right. And let me tell you something. Some of us have gotten so comfortable like hiding behind this idea that all we need to do is love and be nice and be generous. You absolutely have to do that. But all of those are the appetizer, the meal, the nourishment, the water of life is Jesus. And we have to get people to that. Yeah, so everyone is welcome. You're welcome. We want you to help us welcome everyone. Yeah. The second thing we want to remind you about uh, with this church and churches that have existed throughout the course of time, everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. Yeah. One of the beautiful things about the way God created humanity, created you, created me, is that he wired us differently. We have different skills. We have different talents. We've had different life experiences. We have different passions. We have different things that float our boat. And all of those things are needed to form a healthy army, to borrow the illustration from right. earlier, to have a healthy 
church. Yeah. I mean, all those things are needed universally in the, in the large C church body of Christ, but they're also needed in our local expression of how we do church. The reality is we need you to serve. You're needed. We, we don't need you to serve because there's a spot to fill and there's a job to do. The reality is a lot of the spots are pretty much done, and we could always use a little more help. But we need you because God wired you a certain way. Yeah. And then he sent you here with that wiring, with those gifts and skills, so that you could use them in his kingdom work in this world. Greg, it, it's true. We need you. And we need your friends because God has put in them gifts and talents and insights and wisdom and experiences. And our church will never be all that it could be until we are great at utilizing the experiences, gifts, talents, insights, time, and resources that God has put in each of us. And we bring those together as a beautiful mosaic, and God does something amazing with it. It's a picture of like stained glass from those beautiful uh, medieval cathedrals built in Europe. Individual pieces of broken glass. That's me and you. But God, the artist, puts them together and welds them and shapes them and molds them in just the right way that when you stand back and he illuminates it with his light, it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful window. And people are drawn to that. We need you. And can I tell you the truth? You need to serve. You do. Because it's in the serving environment that God grows you up. We've talked about this army that's about reaching others. But for that to happen, the army has to be healthy. So churches are both about attracting and then getting the army healthy, growing them up, keeping them on fire, keeping them mission focused. It's in a serving environment that all the forces of life take place that will cause you and I to have to grow. You'll have to wrestle with your time. What do I have time for? Mm -hmm. There's more people to love. There are more needs to meet than I can do. You'll have to wrestle with the fact that you need God in your life or you can't do what he's called you to do wrestling with your time and how much you need God and where you're going to spend your energies, those things causes the life of Christ to bubble up in you as you prayerfully work through that. You want to get patient? Work in a church. Because you'll have to, I'm imperfect, Greg's imperfect, we have an imperfect church, and it'll force you to have to, do, if you won't let God work on you in patience, you'll get frustrated in the local church. You want to grow in compassion? Get on a serving team and love some kid that you only get 45 minutes a week with, knowing that they're going to go home to an environment that might not be the best for them. And wrestle with that and find yourself in the middle of the week thinking about it and praying about it. And then the life of Christ begins to grow in the servant. So we call you to serve because we need you, but I call you to serve because that's how you grow. I know this. You decide directly or indirectly, not to serve somewhere in the body of Christ, you've stopped growing on that day. You may not know it for years. The reason there are a lot of mean, hard-hearted Christians, mark my words, is because somewhere along the way they got out of the game. They stepped off the field and into the stands, and the life became about them, and their heart began to shrivel, and they were still singing the songs, hearing the words, and on occasion getting the chills up and down their spine, but they weren't feeding back out, and the army got unhealthy, and the cause of Christ began to dwindle in them and through them. Yeah, and the Bible uses this illustration of a body, that the church is a body. And the reality is we, we need you, and we need your neighbors, and your family, and your coworkers, because it's almost like we're an incomplete body. Yeah, it'd I mean, be like the body and you, you're trying to you know, make something but you don't have a hand. And in fact, the Bible says, 
You want to yeah. read it? Yeah, it talks about that, but it also talks about how critical every element of the body is. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. It's using this body illustration or analogy. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, uh, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Mm -hmm. The reality is in the army that God is building in this world and in the army God's building in this local expression called Four Corners, every role is important. No matter how big or how small, everyone from the guy that tapes the wire so we don't trip when we're walking on the (laughs) stage over here to the person who cleans up the vomit when a baby's sick and they throw up on the carpet over there. I'm so glad God sent Praise the Lord for those people. Amen. To the, honestly, to the toilet cleaners, all the way up to Will, who leads worship here on Sunday mornings. Every role is needed. Every part of the body is needed. And right now, the body of Christ here is incomplete. It is. So we need you, and we need you to bring other parts of the body here so that the full expression of God can happen in this life. Greg, somebody's sitting here and saying, but I have too much sin. I don't have enough time. Um, I don't know enough stuff. I don't know enough Bible. But there's a biblical truth that's just obvious. It's not a Bible verse, but it encapsulates a lot of the Bible in a really nice sentence. I want you to look at the screens. Here's what it says. God doesn't call the prepared, but he prepares the called. If you feel like you're not ready to serve, you're a perfect candidate to begin serving. Because it's in the serving that God does his work in you and gets you ready I had no idea what God was going to do when we stepped up and said, we're going to start this church. We prepared for 200 people, Greg, and God has been stretching us ever since. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to need to be and do when I said yes to my wife as we stood before a minister and an audience and said, I do to each other. But God used that opportunity that we took to step forward and used that environment to begin to grow and change us. Yeah. So everyone is welcome. Everybody's everyone is needed. needed. And everyone is changed. If we want to be an unstoppable force in our community, the community God's place is in, we've got to be changed. And we, we, one of the ways we do this in our local expression is we take next bold steps together. Right. Every single week we have, I shared this last week when you were out, every week we have an altar call. We do. Every week next bold step A around here is, hey, I want to check this. And it's an indication of my heart that I want to make Jesus my Savior and my Lord, my forgiver and my leader, however you want to say it. We have an altar call every week. Greg, uh, we had these connect cards out for our worship um, experience on Friday night. We didn't even talk about salvation. And we had somebody in our room check next step A on Friday night at the worship concert to receive Jesus. Right. There's ample opportunity for people to receive Jesus. Yeah, and what, that, that is like an important step. For a lot of people, it ends up being like a minor step because they've been taking strides yeah, they've toward been getting that. ready. It's just the next natural right. step. Right, but it, it is a bold step. But the reality is, even if you've taken that step, You've got to continue being changed because God's not finished with you yet. There's still more that he wants to do in your life. He still has plans for you, and yet you have to continually, in order for this church to be unstoppable, you have to continually press into your own personal growth. You have to continually consider your own personal sin and the habits that you have that maybe you don't need to have, going back to what we talked about the last couple weeks. With red light, green light. Yeah, you you might have to consider what you need to start doing. What do you need to change and start doing in your life? to draw you closer to the path that God has for your life. You know what the Bible calls that? Becoming a disciple. (laughs) Where you discipline yourself to confront honestly where you are and you have a prayerful open heart. God, I'm willing for you to change me. Let me kind of hear the most tragic thing that as a pastor I get to observe on occasion. It's when people have been in relationship with Jesus for years and years and years, but they haven't, it's been a long time since they've ever opened the door of their heart and said, now God, I'm coming today expecting to hear your truth. 
and I'm not all that you would have me be yet, and I want you to change me. Yeah. When I come to church like that, Greg, I get changed. You know, we, we talk a lot about love around here. We just did a marriage series a few weeks ago. It's something we talk about probably, I don't know, 40 out of the 51 Sundays a year that we have church. But one of the things we say about love is that love is not just an emotion. Right. It is an emotion, but it's not just an emotion. And all of us have experienced those times in life when we should feel in love, but we don't. I've yeah. experienced that with my wife. Not often, thank God, but I have. It, but here's what we say about that. If you feel like you're not experiencing the emotion of love, start doing the actions of love and the emotions will follow. Yeah. Well, that's true in your spiritual walk as well. When you're feeling disconnected from God, you're wondering where God's at in your life. You're wondering if he's going to give you insight into that big decision you have to make. A lot of times God's in the activities of discipline, the activities that bring you in closer to hear from God, reading the Bible, praying, talking to God, letting God speak to you, and that's still a honest voice. community, uh, bringing a sacrifice of praise, coming here to worship God when you don't feel like it. Right. In those kinds of activities, God is very present. Yeah, and, and, and our deepest fears in doing church, and I think this is one of the deepest fears of any pastor, is that somehow we would end up not only not being an unstoppable force, but we'd become a stagnant force. Mm. And that will happen if the people in our congregation don't continue to change all the time without ceasing until the last breath that you take, changing to become more like the men and the women that God created you to be, more like the vision he has for you and the path that he wants you to walk down. I'm going to ask you one, one more time, a little bit more pointedly. When was the last time your attitude definitively and known to you, your conscious attitude was, God, I'm not who you've made me to be fully. Would you please don't give up on me? Would you please change me? Convict me, Lord. I need to be molded more into the image of Christ. When was the last time you came to church and you said, today I'm going to be taught the word of God. And I declare my mind is open. My heart is receptive. God, I want to go home not the same. Now, you don't have to say it that way, but if that's your attitude, here's what I found. People who come hungry leave satisfied. (laughs) Yeah, and then some of the cooler elements of church that really make it fun and, and a better emotional experience. The worship gets so much better at least my experience of it. The, the community I form is so much stronger. The friendships I make is so much better because we're an unstoppable army all going the same direction. Yeah. An army doesn't work when everyone's doing a million different things. A and million heading, different players, but moving in one direction. Right. And that's what we want to make sure we're sharp on, what we're focused around. We want to be clear on our mission as Easter's approaching and we're going to celebrate the greatest day in history and how it's affecting our lives today. And God's going to send us a lot of his sheep that he wants us to help take care of, we want to make sure we're sharp and we're focused. Greg, it's a, it's a really, really big deal. Yeah. So big that we're going to take a few steps together yeah. as a congregation. Would you grab out that Connect card that you began to fill out earlier? And if you didn't begin to fill it out earlier, go ahead and men, don't wuss out on me. Your wives are not called to be the only spiritual head in the house. You are. So grab that Connect card. And uh, let's begin taking some steps together. Every week we give you an opportunity to make Jesus your Savior and Lord. We say it this way, that he can forgive your sins and be your forgiver, and he can be the leader of your life. If you'd like to do that today, it'll change your life. It's pretty straightforward and easy. You don't have to do anything, really. You just accept it. And the way we identify that is through this Connect card. Next step A, you can check the box and basically be saying with your life, God, I am a sinner. I'm not perfect. I know that. And I confess that you are the Lord of the universe. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. 
And then when the offering buckets come by later at the end of the service, your primary gift to us today will be putting that gift of your connect card with that check mark in the offering bucket. And then this week we'll communicate with you because we don't want you to just take a step into nothing and not have any direction. In a very gentle and, and, and clear way, we'll communicate with you. You're not joining our church about what that means. And in a few moments as well, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to either use my words or come up with your own and invite Jesus to be a part of your life. Or how about next step B? You want to get baptized and go public with your faith and say to everybody, I'm not ashamed of him. I want everybody to know. We'll celebrate that with you. You'll experience being celebrated in this room if that's the decision that you make today. And how about next step C? Then today I commit that I will warmly welcome people I meet at Four Corners. Smile, handshake, my name is, I'm glad you're here. And you won't wait for others to initiate, you'll initiate. Even if it's your first week, we fully deputize you to help us welcome people here in this place. All right, next step D. I'm going to pray this week for people to meet Jesus on Green Easter. I'm going to, more than normal, give a clear invitation for people to begin a relationship with Jesus and ask those that did it a long time ago to renew their commitment to Him. And we believe that God, by His Holy Spirit, is already preparing people's hearts to hear that message. And I want you to join me and this staff in praying for that to happen in droves, in scores, on Easter, Green Easter. And how about next step B? Let's just get really clear about it. I'm going to invite, I will invite someone to Four Corners for Green Easter. Hey, you can't make them come but you can invite them. Let's pray about these things right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are just a part of something dramatically wonderful and beautiful in this world. It's your church. We're part of your body, and we're not a perfect church, Lord, but you've done some incredible stuff, and we want to stay focused. We want to be what your word says, unstoppable. We want the gates of hell to not prevail against the onslaught in the darkness that you use us to bring. God, we want to be people that are changing and growing. And we want to be people that are inviting and loving and welcoming. Lord, I pray for each person in this room right now that is saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I want to receive your grace. I declare that you're the Lord of the universe, but I want you to be the the leader of my life as well. Lord, I pray for each person that you're already drawing outside of these walls to be with us on Green Easter, that you would soften their hearts. When they walk through these doors, they'll see smiles and welcome. And the music will penetrate their hearts and the message will ring true. And they'll step across the line of faith, declaring you to be their savior. And I pray, God, that you will make us such a healthy army that we help them find a place to serve and use their gifts and get on board with helping others to experience what they just experienced. I pray it in the powerful name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Amen. And amen.